welcome to another episode of Live Good, a podcast created to provide you with value and insight that empowers you to live your good life. I'm really excited for today's guest. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Today I have on a dear friend, one of the first friends I ever made um, when I moved to Austin a few years ago. Um, Her name is Shandy Nichelle. She is the CEO and founder of Freewell. Um, Welcome Shandy, I'm super excited to have you. Thank you for having me, Ash. Um, so you, I've known you for years now and we've definitely had several, you know, chats and conversations, vulnerable moments together. You're probably one of the few people who has seen me cry (laughs) (laughs) and has forced me to hug you with both hands. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Um, but you also are someone that I really look up to. You have such an amazing story. Um, and I'm really happy to have you on and allow you, you know, a platform where you can share your story. And I think that your story is very empowering for a lot of other people. So I'm excited to really, you know, dive into to that and just have a nice little conversation over some tea today. A little girl talk. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, I've known you for years, right? So um, I know a lot about you. (laughs) I wouldn't say everything, but a lot. Um, But for those of, you know, our listeners who are tuning in, who have, you know, don't know anything about you, obviously, um, can you give them a little background or intro on you, on, you know, who you are and how you kind of got to, to where you are now? Hmm. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've done a few podcasts now and it's always just like this, like, who are you? Okay. Let me figure out who am I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, I am Shandy and I am the proud founder and CEO of Freewell. Um, and the journey to getting here, um, is one that you've seen a good part of it, but, I am an Air Force brat, so my dad um, was in the Air Force pretty much since I was born um, and then was still in the Air Force even after I graduated high school. So I moved around my whole life and yeah. got to see some pretty cool places and was uh, was a new kid a lot, and that was had its challenges, um, especially the one time when I decided that I was going to move somewhere new and like reinvent myself. And I told everybody to call me like by a different name. And then they started calling me by that name, but I wasn't responding. So I had forgotten. <laughs> and, like, my You're own. like, wait, I wasn't fully really prepared. Yeah, yeah. I think I was like in fifth grade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to go by my middle name, Nichelle. And then like they started calling me that and I wasn't answering to it. So, um, yeah. And I've always been very creative um, and wasn't, crazy athletic growing up that was something that really came into my life later and I end up going to cosmetology school after a failed attempt of going to uh, I wanted to be a fashion designer that didn't actually um that there was a few things that didn't pan out my parents couldn't afford to send me to a nice school and and so I kind of like junior college was like the next option for yeah. me and so I did that and failed uh, every course except for my business course ended up loving that class that's ironic yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and then um my mom's like well you just can't sit here you got to do something yeah. and so they said you're going to cosmetology school my parents actually now fight over whose idea it was <laughs> because obviously it worked out and yeah. so really well <laughs> yeah yeah um the crazy thing about that is um we can get into the cosmetology school part but um, I, I never felt like I was good at anything. Um, like I said, I was always kind of creative. I was always a new kid. So I kind of like hid away, um, was kind of shy every time I went to a new school. And then I 
Which is so funny because knowing you now, yeah. you're like not shy at all. Yeah, yeah. I I am definitely an introvert for sure. Um, but I think that in the sense of like how we re- recover, right? Mm-hmm. So like I definitely need my down alone time to kind of recharge. Um, but I actually ate lunch in the bathroom by myself my senior year. Like not my senior, sorry. My sophomore year of high school, I just moved to Texas and I didn't have any friends. And so I just like hid out in the bathroom the whole entire lunch period and then I loved art and so I became friends with my art teacher and I was like can I just stay in here and like just draw paintings like at lunch and eventually I made a friend and then I could eat lunch with everybody else but yeah (laughs) you're like it took a little while yeah yeah um definitely like made fun of a lot as a kid and um you know I do feel like the I always joke that I feel like God gave me um, like one hell of a resume to be able to relate to um, a lot of women and that really served me in my hair career. So when I was in cosmetology school, I we did our very first haircut and I, like I said, I wasn't really good at anything. I knew I was like the, kind of the creative kid, you know, and um, I was the first one done. And of course I'm like, oh, it's probably messed up. And my instructor comes over and checks it and she says, oh, it's perfect. And I was like, huh. And it was in that moment that I kind of found what I was just naturally good at, how some kids are just naturally good at sports or naturally good at um, math, or that was definitely not me. (laughs) Um, And it was really interesting, and it was kind of like the first time I had something that um, felt like it felt natural and came easy to me, and I could build on in my life. And um, whenever I was, you know, around 25, I started my, I took my hair training and I started my own business at 25 years old. And so it was like, I call it like putting gasoline on a fire. It's like finding your talent and then and then having that entrepreneurial side lit underneath me. It was, um, once it was in my hands, it was like I just took off from there and had this um, intense drive, work ethic, and really grew that business and really proud of what I was able to do, um, yeah, with the cosmetology degree that's really awesome and I, I remember when I met you mm-hmm. you were that's how I met you was through um one of my friends that I was working with at the time Farah she recommended you and she was like you have to go to the girl who does my hair she she's so pretty and she's got this whole like babe hair boot camp and she's got all of this and she travels just to do this and I was like oh my gosh okay I was like I have to I have and that was actually my first haircut like that I got when I was in Austin was with you and I've stuck with you ever since I was even like gone like when I moved out of Texas and I'd come back and you're like okay you should trim it in between yeah (laughs) but even though you're not um but yeah I remember I met you and you were just so friendly and like I walked in you like greeted me with a hug which now we know is like super (laughs) awkward for me Um, but I was like oh my gosh this girl is so pretty, so nice. Like you, you were so on it too. So I can definitely attest to like, you were in your zone. Like you'd have someone getting their hair washed and you'd be like, Hey, can you get this for me? And you had like your assistance. And it was, it was really awesome for me to see that, especially moving from like a small town to Austin and seeing like a woman like owning her own business and just kind of running that. Um, that was really motivating, like for me and really inspiring. Aww. So whether you knew it or not, you were definitely like an inspiration to me at that time. And, and even that. now, oh, yeah, so I remember I went home and I was like, oh my God, she's so nice. And, <laughs> and then I told, this is so funny. I don't know if I've told you this, but so I told Anthony, I'm like, yeah, her name's Shandy. And he goes, that's not a really common name. And I was like, yeah, like I showed him a picture of like your Facebook or Instagram. And he's like, oh, she goes to Planet Fitness. <laughs> 
he was working there at the time. And yes. he's like, she's always running on the treadmill. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was I was the- definitely the cardio girl back then. I mean, weren't we all? Yeah. It was, before we knew. Yeah, before we knew. It was yeah. so funny. So somehow we were like all intertwined even then. Yeah. Um, but actually let's correct that i was not running on the treadmill i was probably just walking on the treadmill like for like two hours he gave you credit he was like she's always running on the treadmill um yeah so it was so funny and then later on we became friends and he was like oh that's really cool like we all kind of like knew knew each other because i remember when you met him you're like you look familiar and he's like yeah planet fitness so we all kind of like we're austin's so big but so small in a way yeah um but what I want to get back to is I personally now, obviously, I've gotten to know you over the years and I've gotten to know your story and kind of what you were going through at the time that I met you when you were like at your peak with your business, like you had your studio downtown, like you're really thriving from probably the outside perspective. I didn't know at that time. I don't think anyone really knew that mm-hmm. you were going through a lot personally um, and you were really trying to like figure out certain things that had happened to you when you were younger and trying to navigate that. I think that's something that's really inspiring to share with others because I think for a lot of people, we look at them and we're like, these people have it all together. And we don't realize that everyone has something that they're like working on internally or that they're fighting or trying to get past. Um, Do you mind sharing a little bit about kind of, you know, what happened to you and and at what point you actually identified that there was something that happened that you needed to heal from? Yeah. Um, yeah. When I met you, I was what I call my quote unquote, like top of my game and the hair business. And the reason why I say that is because I had set a goal of like exactly where I wanted to be. And then I reached it. So like, I was like, I want a studio here. You know, I want X amount of assistance, you know, however, however that looked. And then I reached it and I didn't have any desire to grow my hair business in any way um, after that. The reason was is because it was also like I was I was kind of tied to the chair, right? Yeah. And I knew that in order for me to maintain that level, I had to physically be there. And I was looking for something different. I mean, I'd already been doing that like for 15 years. So that was happening, right? Like kind of what's my next move? And that kind of opens up a lot and being entrepreneurial. Like I, I was always needing to grow. Um, but around that same time, um, I had been maybe like single for a year. I'd been in two back-to-back relationships in my 20s. So I had never had been a single woman. Um, the last relationship being an engagement that I had ended and um, had my own apartment by myself for the first time. And had kind of like this space that I've never really had. Yeah. And um, I had a little bit of life behind me. I think, you know, when you're in your 20s, I think maybe the culture shifted now a little bit, but when I was right around 30 years old when you're kind of like looking back and I kind of started looking at something that had happened to me when I was younger. And I believe in that moment was when my brain somehow like I knew that I had gone like something had happened in the woods with someone like an older gentleman when I was seven years old um I knew for a fact that I had been molested um and I had like short clip memories like it kind of feels like a movie and um and then when I kind of started to look back to say is this affecting me now like you know is this um because I had signs since it happened, you know, like now looking back, 
Um, I had a moment with my parents recently because that's been a whole other journey we can yeah. get into later. Finally, my parents, you know, my mom and dad like were like, wow, everything about you now makes so much sense. We had no, we didn't know what was going on with you. Wow. Um, but there was like these outward signs. Um, and, um, but I was always a really good kid, you know, and um, the drive, I hated school though. <laughs> I sure did. I hated school, but um, I really thrived when I was kind of beating to the, my own drum for sure. Yeah. And um, so. Which also all makes sense now. Totally does. Totally <laughs> does. Yeah. Um, watch me have like a buy the book kid. I swear <laughs> I will. And I'm not going to know what to do. And like, <laughs> I'm like no, like I'm gonna be the parent that's like, no, you don't have to follow the yeah. rules. Like, like you know, yeah, yeah. You and they're like, no, mom. <laughs> like I have to be at school. And then you know this. <laughs> um, so I believe that the more and more I learn about trauma, the more I realize that our bodies and our brains protect ourselves for as long as they can from feeling it. Mm-hmm. And when I had started to look back at that, um, I coincidingly had also gone to Europe for a month where you know you drink every day right yeah so I'm kind of in this like it was like over the summer and I remember um looking back at this like trying to talk to my mom about this and um and I think it cracked something and all of a sudden I'd go work all day in the salon and just be like, go, 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 go. And then the minute I would be driving home, it felt like this extreme overwhelm in my body. And I've since been uh, reading The Body Keeps the Score, which I've not, I did not have the courage to read that book until just recently. And I'm like, wow, this makes so much sense. Like, wow, this makes so much sense. Like, it's literally explaining that feeling. And now... Like I'll, I'll go back to that day. But now it's interesting because I can feel my body having a reaction that doesn't fit a situation. And it's my body. It's not my brain as much. It's interesting. So my body, I would drive home, have this intense overwhelm, and I didn't know how to feel it. I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know what to do. And I, you know, had just come back from Europe. And so I would just like have a glass of wine. I remember I had a, one night of being really anxious. And then I had a glass of wine and then it turned into a bottle. And I was like, I remember calling my girlfriend and be like, oh my God, I had like a whole puddle of wine last night. And she was just like, okay. Like, you know, but to me, that was a big deal. Like, yeah. um, but then it happened again. And then I drank. And then it happened again. And I drank. And I was terrified to feel, now I can, now I can identify what I was feeling, but then I didn't know it. But um, I was terrified to feel what I was feeling. And now what I know what what it was is it was almost like I was, numbing and drinking down the visual rape memories that would soon come out. Yeah. It's like, um, I work with women now who've been through rape and sexual assault and I'm now seeing them on the preface of facing these situations. And it literally feels like if you feel them and you experience them, like you're going to die. It's almost like you're reliving you're reliving part of it. All yeah, over, all over. Yeah, again. and but it's like watching a video game and thinking that you're playing this video game and you're gonna die, but you don't realize that you're controlling the video game. Yeah, and um, like you're on this other side of a screen, and but your body doesn't know. And my rapist, um, so my story is, um, when I was seven years old, 
um, I was at a like a family reunion, and my aunts, uncles, cousins, brother, dad, every everybody was there. And ended up coming out later um, that my grandfather was dying of cancer, and so he was on hospice, and so like all the adults were kind of in there managing him. But you think your kids are safe? You yeah, know, especially around family. Oh like, yeah, you don't expect. Anything. Oh yeah, and there was like ten of us cousins, all like 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 ages like you know four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You know, like just all of us, a big group of us hanging out. And I remember there was like an older boy. Um, I think we've now pinned that he was between 14 and 16 years old and um, maybe even a little bit older. But he like picked me out of all the kids to like go into the woods and I felt really special. And I was like, oh, yeah, I got, I'm special. I got yeah. picked. And um, and then now through the memories coming up in EMDR, like I was brutally raped. And fast forward to... And then you can actually see in pictures like um, around like fifth grade, I started gaining a lot of weight. And then I was like much heavier than most girls my age when I was in middle school. And obviously that was the first numbing thing that I had. Yeah. And then it went the other direction and, you know. Um, and I, when I was 18 or 19, I had just moved to Austin. I'd graduated cosmetology school and I was sitting with my grandma and I remember telling her, she was really open. And I said, I remember kind of telling her like, yeah, something happened to me and this is who it was and this is what happened. And um, again, at that point, I was just calling it molestation. And she said, well, honey, you know what happened to him, right? And I go, no. And she goes, well, he's on death row for rape and murder. And I just moved to Austin and around that time I started dating somebody who ended up being verbally, um, I think my self-esteem and that laying that kind of extra layer of trauma on somebody else at the same time, like that responsibility. Cause I remember in middle school putting two and two together of what happened to me and trying to tell my parents and I didn't have the words and the education or it's hard. I feel like it's hard for anyone to find the words for that much less when you're so young oh and the, and the shame yeah the shame was really hard so um yeah and that was i don't know maybe where um i i, I just moved to austin like and that was goes back to like the hair curve and how all that started and i think i just had to push it all down because what it felt like to me at that time was that no one cared um, it felt like get over it. Like you were just being dismissed about it almost. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I went home to the guy I was dating. Um, and I told him and he goes, what would you see? Get over that. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. it's sad, but I feel like I've heard that from so many women that I've mm -hmm. met yeah. that I'm friends with. And a lot of them have similar. It's always like, family or someone close to family or and it's so sad to hear that a lot of times their own parents are like you don't know what you're talking about yeah or you know you just need to get over it yeah and it's like you can't tell somebody something like that yeah and I think that was kind of what it wasn't I don't think that's my own story too I think that's that was like you said it's a lot of people that were kind of told that and like they weren't given permission to to look at that, to face that, to deal with that, to heal from that. Like it was almost just like, yeah, I don't know. Um, obviously 
that didn't work out, but it was my first time just not feeling heard, you know? And, um, again, you're told to get over it. So you push it down and you move forward. But as we know with trauma, like it, you can only push it down for so long. Yeah. And eventually as, as hard and painful and messy as it is, you have to like feel it to heal from it. You can't just continue to push it down and and suppress it and act like it didn't happen, which I think for a long time Mm -hmm. is what we were told to do. Yeah. Was to just pretend it didn't happen and get over it. And I think for a lot of people, that's way easier said than done. Yeah. So when you first asked me like what I was going through when you had met me, it was like just kind of starting. Mm -hmm. I think you got kind of like both sides. You got to see like the right before. Yeah. And then you got to see kind of like the after and um, what that was and then it progressively got worse like I then um would literally have to drink a bottle of wine every night I felt like to just get to the next day um I started isolating a lot um I um was like like I said none of my friends knew that I was like struggling like on the outside it looked shiny and happy and good but um I would I got eventually to the point where I felt so broken. Um, like I would be in my car crying before I would go into the salon um, because every I had to be on. Yeah, you have to like flip a switch. Yeah, and I had developed these really deep relationships with my clients over time. And, um, and then, of course, they'd come in and want to talk to me about what's going on in my life, you know. And that was happening like eight times a day. And was just I didn't have enough to give to anybody else like I was just barely holding on yeah and I had a lot of resentment to just I had resentment to what I had built like it was like why do people want me why do they need me like I I didn't it it, it sounds so crazy now but I didn't know how to go I had to go in to the salon I would just literally cry like I don't want to do this today I don't want to do this today yeah and um you know it I mean, it feels so different now, right? It's so crazy that now, um, yeah, and that was went on for three years. So it was pretty much like twenty, like eighteen, and then I got sober in twenty twenty, twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. I remember when you. I remember when we were at dinner. You had like a few of us over for dinner, and you're like, you know, I'm I'm signing up, going to see how it goes. Do you know what happened with that though? Do you know what's so funny? <laughs> I don't remember. I mean, because, okay, this is happening during, like, COVID. Yeah. Right? So it was. Yeah. 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 So I remember, yeah, I said, all uh, you guys down. And I was like, okay, guys, I'm starting this 12-step program. And I was like, you know, I'm doing this thing. And, like, I'm going to be sober. And then I don't know if you remember, I relapsed after eight days. <laughs> like, I waited eight days. And I was so embarrassed and ashamed. And I was just like, oh, my God. You know, I had to my own horn I mean that was my only time that it doesn't matter like whatever yeah people's journey is you know but like it I, I got humbled a little bit but what led up to that point um and of course all my friends were so supportive like yeah. you know and again like none of them really knew that I was struggling yeah so yeah I remember when you told us I was surprised yeah um and how how did you decide? I know that's a really hard decision for a lot of people to actually say, you know, maybe I can't do this on my own. Cause I mm-hmm. think even, you know, myself, there's been stuff that I've had to, you know, try to work through. And I'm like, 
I've got it. I've got it. No one wants to admit that they need help. How did you decide that, that you wanted to seek help and that you weren't going to do this on your own? Yeah. Um, I think I was in a, a lot of denial for a while like that. I actually had a problem. I remember, uh, feeling like going to people who had been sober and just trying to figure out like, um, because my drinking, um, wasn't necessarily like what you would quintessentially think of like an alcoholic. Like I wasn't like waking up and drinking. I wasn't like having the shakes and having to drink, you know, and do all that. Like it was just like every night I didn't know how to sit with myself. Um, and so I was really confused about like what direction like I really fit into. And so it's really funny because then I remember, um, not really funny, but um, I just had um, a really good friend that I was like one of our good mutual good girlfriends who was just like really worried about me because she was seeing it on the front lines, you yeah. know, like she lived with me twice during this period. And, um, you know, and she had gone through something really hard in her life and like an assault and hers was very public. And, you know, she had, um, you know, kind of just always been a really good friend and like mentioned to me, like, you okay? You know, I was like, yeah, 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 I'm fine. fine." She's definitely like mom of the group. Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so I think for me, it got to the point there a few, it it was like a, a series of events, right? Um, towards the end of my drinking, I was very angry. I had a lot of anger towards my rapist, towards my parents, towards, you know, I was pointing the finger at everybody else. I was, you know, like just sad, like sad and mad, like all of it, you know? And when I would drink, I would just think about that, you know? Yeah. Um, and if you think about like a, like a war veteran and they come back from Nam and they're just drinking and thinking, yeah. You know, and like reliving things. And it's, it's like, I don't know why we do that, but that was kind of it. It's like you're angry and it's a way to let go of your anger and yeah. just say whatever you need to say. And, and it's so ironic because I've heard so many people say, I just want to drink to forget. Yeah. But it ends up having the reverse effect where it you, totally you drink does. and you're just like in your head even more. A hundred percent. like down that like. Yeah. So there's that whole thing called stinking thinking and. Yeah, it was. And um, I think for us, it it can feel like whatever reason you're doing that, you're trying to solve for it maybe. Um, and I just don't think you know what to do. You know, we're not taught like in school, like this is how you handle trauma. Yeah. So um, around this time, um, I had uh, started looking into like human trafficking because I was like, I'm going to avenge people and I want to, you know, women and I'm going to go do all this stuff. And my anger was at least fueled in a good direction. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I remember I talked to some of my other friends who were sober and they were like, I was doing like illegal shit and you were out here like drinking and you were still trying to help other people. <laughs> you know? And I was like, well, that makes me feel better. Things like, you know, I was like writing organizations and being yeah, like, I, I wanna, remember that. I want to help, you know? And they're yeah. like, they're like, yeah, I wasn't doing that when I was drinking. <laughs> you know, so. You're like, I emailed so-and-so and I was like, oh, I was like, you, you were still very much like <laughs> very functioning and like still very driven, like through all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Except my emails were a little bit more like, 
you know, like, put me in, coach, like, <laughs> send me over, like, you know, I'm gonna help. Um, yeah, and they're probably just like, this crazy girl keeps <laughs> writing us, you know, who did she think she is, Batman, like, you know, <laughs> yes, that's exactly who I think I am, Batman, I have a vengeance, you know, um, but it was like, that's how it was being fueled for me, it was like, I want, I, I couldn't necessarily avenge myself, because, so my rapist was already in jail, you know, and um, I did find out uh, two years ago, uh, my mom started digging and finding research. And when I was 17 years old, um, he killed another 17-year-old girl. She looks very much like me. He raped her, killed her, burned her in her car. And when my mom told me this, because I think my mom was like in denial, like she just didn't really want to believe it. Of course yeah. she doesn't yeah, want to, nobody. you know. And my mom's a rape survivor. Um, and she's got... Her stories, not, I don't want to compare rape stories, but my mom's story is pretty um, awful. Um, and uh, it was like, I cried and cried and cried. And I was literally about to go on a girl's trip and my girlfriends were coming to pick me up. And people were like, what happened? They thought that someone died. Well, someone did die. Yeah. And it was kind of this rumor in my family that this is what had happened, but none of us really knew it. But in my heart, I knew that there was this other woman out there that died. And what I felt was that she died because of me, because I had told somebody and no one did anything. And then she died. So I carried that for a long time. That's a lot of guilt to to carry. Yeah. And I think that's where that kind of comes from for, for me. And um, I think I do what I do for her and me. Um, But, yeah, so my friends are all there, and they're like, you know, what happened? And, you know, I'm trying to tell them, like, my mom, she told me, do you want to know? Because I couldn't find him. I remember trying to find this guy, and the reason why I found him is he had a different name. It was like... um, We called him by his middle name, not his first name in the family. And it didn't happen in Texas. It happened in Arkansas. And so um, I guess I was also being protected. Like, maybe I I shouldn't find that. But the very last night I drank, I wrote his brother, um, who still is associated with our family, like just distant relatives and stuff. And I was just like, I want to talk to you about so-and-so. So around the end of my drinking, like I said, I had a lot of anger. um, And I had a, a woman come in to my salon who, um, you know, at that time I had all this shame because you didn't hear about business owners struggling with alcohol. You didn't hear a lot of women. We had the Me Too movement, but you you saw how that affected some of those women. Yeah. They were ostracized or they were, um, like it had this almost like, sometimes it could have like a reverse effect. Yeah. But it was, um, I it's scary. And, um, it's scary to think that you're not going to, if I admit this, I am not going to get this label, this label, this label. Yeah. And my life will be different. And it also was, um, it's scary to ask for help because it's work. It's work. And it's a lot of heavy lifting a lot of heavy things and uh 
I'm so grateful to share my story because I, I love talking about the other side. Um, so I had this amazing woman come into my salon and she was successful, like therapist, like beautiful, um, smart and just a badass. And like, she was in my salon chair and I said, Oh, I love your necklace. And she was, Oh, it's my sobriety date. And I saw this, um, this type of woman who was sober and like proud of it. Yeah. And I, it was almost like I had what I was like, I needed that kind of connection and it created space for me to feel like it was okay. And we now, um, yeah. And I got sober like a week after that, but I remember watching this video, um, and I was Googling anybody that was like successful, like who was sober. Right. I was like just looking for some kind of something to be like, this is okay for me to, to fall. Like something that you can relate to, to make you like, feel like it's okay for you to admit this and say this and take this step because it's been done before. It's scary to, to try to embark on something when it hasn't been done before. So it's nice to, to find someone who also like it resonates a little bit different. Yeah. 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 And um, so I Googled this, I found this video of Elton John on Oprah and he was saying that, you know, I had sold millions of records and like not comparing myself to in John in any way. <laughs> um, but, um, but he was like, I'd sold millions of records. I had this, you know, big career and I was doing all this stuff, but he said, I had success. And so I thought, well, I should be able to handle this. Why can't I handle this? What's wrong with me? And he finally said, my pride was going to kill me. And that's how I saw it for me. I was so concerned about what other people would think of me that I um, was going to go down with that ship, you know. And um, but thankfully, I met her and she's still one of my best friends to this day. And I'm on the other side now. And um, yeah, I pulled you guys all in and I was (laughs) like, listen, ladies, (laughs) like, you know, I love that you shared that. And I like that you mentioned um, the part about like, you kind of have to put your pride aside, because I think that is the case for a lot of us sometimes, like putting our ego aside and and being able to say, hey, I'm not perfect, but like, I want to be better. And like, I want to work on this. And I'm and you it is hard. Yeah. It's one saying you need help because then you're signing up for the work that comes after. Yeah. <laughs> but little did, little did I know what that was going to look like, you know, yeah. thankfully. It's like when people give birth, right? They're like, they're like, oh, you know, but like, you know, it's like, oh, this is legit, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was really great. And I have to really give props to you and all my friends because you guys really – had my back and were really supportive and you know um that was all during covid and i was really grateful that i had this kind of like space to really just focus on that but yeah none of my friends like looked at me any different and they just wrapped their arms around me and just were really there and i patted you on the back (laughs) yeah she doesn't hug you know um but it was like yeah, you guys were, I think you and I got extra close actually during that time. Yeah, I think we, that's when I think we had most of like our vulnerable conversations, like just going on walks and just like, yeah. I think really, I mean, even you for me, I think we both created like a safe space to just be able to just like be ourselves and just like talk about our feelings without like any judgment or without feeling like we have to put on like a persona or pretend like we're okay. Like we, 
I think had conversations with each other where like, it's okay that you're not okay. But like, we kind of were both working on being better at the same time in just different like areas. Yeah. 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 And, um, yeah. And I was definitely like, I mean, it was a rough, I mean, it took me a while to get there. Cause I don't know if you remember <laughs> like when I like, all right guys, I'm going to work. I, cause in my mind, like, cause people have asked me this before, like, is it the trauma or the drinking? What do you, what do you kind of fix first? Right. And, um, and in my opinion, um, I don't think you can do the work. And actually I had a therapist who said, I'm not going to do EMDR trauma therapy on you unless you're sober. Yeah. Um, and then she proceeded to tell me, I think you're, I think you need to go to like a outpatient rehab and maybe get on medication. And I was like, who gave this woman a license? Like, I come here calling all my girlfriends and just being like, can you believe this woman? I can't believe that, you know, like all that stuff, you know, and in my head, it's like, you know, and then I remember like years later, like obviously I'm sober now and I did do medication for a little bit and it softened the blow for me at first. And I was very humbling for me to do that. Um, not, no longer on it. And, um, and I remember walking with my friend, the friend that was sober, that was a therapist. I go, you know, I think I need to call that woman and apologize. And she goes, no, she was, she knew she was right. You don't have to apologize. <laughs> she knew. She knew. <laughs> That's so funny. It's always funny when you, it's like, ah, oh, they were right. But yes. like in the moment, like you, it's yeah. like no way. They're like out of their yeah. mind. Like, I was like, how could you even think this? The audacity. Yeah. Like, you know. And then looking back, you're like, hmm, maybe they were onto something there. Yeah. Well, it's admitting it. Yeah. That's the hard part, you know? That is a really hard part, I think, is admitting it. And also, too, sometimes, like, our self-awareness is off because we're not necessarily in the right space, right? So, like, if you're drinking or you're, you know, trying to process these feelings, the way that you see yourself and your perspective can be a little blurry. Yeah, I think it's also made me a much better leader because, um, like, I had a meeting the other day and um, one of my team members, um, like she had been on vacation and I hadn't seen her in a while. And she goes, yeah, you know, you're typical like, hi, how are you? You know, how are you doing? And I go, do you want the real answer? (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, yes, I do want the real answer. And I'm technically the leader, right? I, I mean, I am the leader, not technically. I am the leader of this company. And I was just like, I'm overwhelmed. And I was like, it feels like a lot right now. I don't feel like I can't handle it but I am feeling like a little overwhelmed and it, cause I learned early on in my hair business, part of my success of building a team was that if I act like I'm separate and I have no emotions and, um, I never fail, I never struggle. Like you, those girls would go through thick and thin for me in that company. Mm-hmm. And I think I learned that lesson early on that like I, I don't get anywhere by pretending like I have it all together. Yeah. And that's like a, that's a sense of taking self accountability too. Like if you make a mistake or yeah. if you're not feeling a hundred percent, I think it also creates a safe space for your team to mm-hmm. be able to come to you and say, Hey, I'm just not having a good day or, Hey, I messed up. I'm sorry. But like, can you help me with this? And it just creates that good, like yeah. culture and dynamic that you want in a team, yeah. especially like a high performing team. Yeah. And you know, I feel like the times when, I'm the most um, rigid or like it, 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 what it does is it, it, 
that will crack over time, mm-hmm. right? If you're just trying to actually have it all together, right? It'll yeah. crack. And but it gave my teammate the space to come and say, well, just let me know if you need help with anything. Yeah, like I can help you. Um, and that's why I have a team is so that I don't have to do it all by myself. Yeah. And, um, and I actually felt more confident after that and like, good, but I was able just to say, this is a new feeling this week. I'm feeling like this, you know, like yeah. I'm kind of in the thick of it now and I'm really ex- ex- like feeling it. And, um, but then it w- it passed. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was great. And, um, so like the, there's a lot of things that I have learned by being a rape survivor and going through that and going through the trauma and like going on, going through the hard work, getting on the other side, it has been like going through boot camp. It is like the things it's like, it's, it's a school you can't pay for. Yeah. But the, the diploma that you get at the end is priceless to be able to have have that and to be able to say I know I can get through this cuz I did XYZ yeah and um it's carried this confidence you know I know that David Goggins talks about like the cookie jar mm-hmm. and I think that's my version of like that cookie jar you know where yeah. you you went through this horrible thing mm-hmm. and then you had to live with it and you had to heal from it and learn from it and grow from it and become who you are now and if you could handle that you can definitely have a bad day and a bad meeting and be okay right that's yeah. how that's how I see yeah. like I if I have stuff I'm like you've done hard things you've done harder things and it's kind of like that little yeah confidence boost that hey you've done all of these hard things yeah. my new favorite phrase to say in those moments is what would this look like when I'm, especially when I'm irritated, right? <laughs> like, like, you know, where I'm just like about to send that email, you know, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, <laughs> and it's just, you know, I'm on a timeline, you know, not my team necessarily, but just like with anybody that I'm, you know, working with, right? Because I'm managing all these lovers and stuff. And, um, and it's like, um, I, I sit down and I just think, what would this look like? if I handled it the best possible way that I could and what would that look like? Secondly, will this matter in 10 years? Mm-hmm. This little tiny moment or whatever this moment is right now. And does me getting upset about it, not saying I never get upset, um, matter? And I think as you grow as a leader and you grow as running a business, I have to start... Um, having those kind of conversations with myself, right? Yeah. Um, I talk to myself all the time. Yeah. It's funny, my girls at work would even be like, huh? And I'm like, oh, I'm talking to myself. And then towards like the end of my time at, you know, the last center I was at, they're like, oh, are you having a meeting? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> we are having a meeting over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it is. It's really, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a new neural pathway that you have to kind of make yeah. in your brain. I like that. I um. Anthony got me. Anthony's a lot better than I am at handling like frustration. Um, everybody knows that, but he got me into like asking myself, you know, is this worth it? Like, is this small thing that happened worth an email or a, or like this conversation, or is it something that in the bigger picture and the bigger scope of things, it doesn't really matter? And like, can we just move past it? If it happens again, then we discuss it. But it might not need like a big thing right away. And nine out of ten times, like 
it ends up fixing itself Mm -hmm. and it doesn't need like all that time and energy that I would have put into it that could have been better used doing something else. Yeah. I, I totally get that. Yeah. I think it also is just kind of like a, um, I don't know if it's like a sort like a feeling of like what I've been through or like who knows what, but it's always just like not feeling like, um, like you don't want to feel like you're not valuable. Right. You know? And so I feel like the times when I get the most, um, upset is like when I feel like, um, like, uh, cause you know, you know, my biggest pet peeve. Do you remember, you remember what it is? Yeah, I do. Late, but don't be late. Don't be late and don't cancel. (laughs) (laughs) When I had to reschedule it, I was like, hey, Shandy. (laughs) But do you see how I handled, did I handle it so much better? You did did handle it really well. I was really proud of myself. And I, I, but I did in that moment. I said, how? Like, I was like, Ashley's a wonderful friend. And I was like, (laughs) you know, because yeah, we all have our things. But yeah, Yeah. I think that comes from being a hairstylist where like, my time, you know, I'm, I, I, if you cancel on me, I don't think a lot of people realize like that's a big deal. No, and I, I get yeah. that because yeah. I worked in the beauty industry. Yeah. For, I still yeah. do. So I like whenever like my girls would get like stood up by a client or they're yeah. late and I'm like their time is their money. Yeah. And I get how like they're and I think that's why like for me, I'm always really quick with stuff. And he's yeah. like, you walk so fast. And I'm like. <laughs> I, you would think that I'm like racing like my entire day. So it's, yeah. I, I totally get it and, and I understand well, it. Well, one of the things I love about my recovery program is, you know, I had to do like a resentment inventory on people being late. Did you, was, was, I was I on it? Huh? Was I in there? <laughs> I can't talk about that, Ashley's top secret kidding. confidentiality. But this was years ago. This is years ago because I was losing my mind over it. Like I was like handling, I was going through this really big trauma stuff. Like this is when I was going through all the EMDR. Got that. Totally fine. Right. Like, well, after that part, but I was like, I'm because you're mentally prepared, right? You're just, you're in it, you know? And it's like, I, this is going to be heavy and you're good. And then one girlfriend's like, Hey, I have to cancel today. And I was just like on the phone with my mentor and just, just be like, this person's not my friend. And like all this and not you, this is someone else. But it was literally like that moment. And she goes, I think we need to do some work around this. And like, but I did. And, but what you do in the process is you write down all the reasons why you're upset. Then you write how it affects you. And my thing was, I feel like this person doesn't respect me. I feel like this person doesn't care about me. I feel like this person doesn't value me. Like that was the hidden fear behind that is like, I'm not valuable to this person. Then what you do is I obviously am in delusion that my friend doesn't care about me. Yeah. Then you write down, have I ever done X, Y, Z? Have I ever been late? Yes. Have I ever canceled? Yes. And then this is the magic of it. And then you're like, oh, shit. Like, I'm not Miss Perfect, right? Yeah. And it's very humbling to do this kind of work because it's literally like, Anytime I get upset about something, I think, have I done this to anybody else before? Yes, I have. That is very And can I give grace? That's like a really good like self-accountability exercise also. Oh, yeah. Well, that's part of what keeps me sober is we have to do that kind of work. Like, so anytime I have like a resentment building up or anything, um, I have to sit down and do some writing. Yeah, I, I love that. And I like that it's like a... It's consistent work. And I know, you know, I appreciate you, one, sharing your story and being really vulnerable about that. I know that's 
not something easy, you know, to mm-hmm. talk about. And you are so good about sharing your story. And I think that's really empowering, mm-hmm. you know, for you and to others also who may have gone through similar situations and maybe haven't had that conversation with themselves or with anybody and aren't aren't comfortable yet speaking out about it or, you know, saying that maybe they have work or healing to do. So I really appreciate you mm-hmm. sharing that and being so vulnerable. Um, and then also sharing your story and mentioning that, you're still doing the work. And I think that's important because that's for it's all of trick. us. It's a trick. You've got to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think whether you've had trauma or whether you haven't, I think all of us, there is always work for us to be doing, right? Yeah. Like we're constant projects, right? Like yeah. we're constantly working on improving or, you know, finding ways to be better or do better or feel better also, like things that are going to benefit us overall. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate you kind of sharing that as well. Because, and like you mentioned, it's not a smooth journey. It's not like paved. It's definitely been rocky and you started and you failed and then you started back up and you like thrived with it. You really committed to it. Um, now talking about the other side of it, which I think is the now, and even during this journey, you, um, built and created free well, (laughs) which is amazing. Even through all of that, that you were going through, you're like, I'm going to start a company. (laughs) The cool thing with Freewell, though, is it's not just a company. It's not just a product line. It has a deeper purpose and mm-hmm. a deeper meaning. And I think that's why you are so passionate about it, because it's not just the product, but it's why you created the product and also the help that you do through the product as well. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about Freewell? I would love to. Um, yeah, it was kind of birthed through the hardest part of my life. Um it was, uh, yeah, I had, again, been a hairstylist for almost 20 years. I still do hair um, now. And it, when I was in the beauty industry, um, I, I saw a lot. I have 90,000 hours roughly talking one-on-one with my customers. And I just saw, like, a lot of things that I that could improve. And as a natural entrepreneur, like you're always just like you, you see a problem and you want to solve it. Right. Um, and I also like, was like, I was saying earlier in our interview that I was also like, what's my next move. Right. And I had started this other beauty tech startup that was like a really great idea and it was getting traction and customers. And, um, but it didn't have this deeper purpose that, I now know I need in a company. Yeah. And I know that about myself. And it was like, you kind of have to go left off the path just to get right back at it. So you could check that off and no, 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 this is what I need. And, um, and that was having like this deep calling. And now I'm so grateful for that deep calling because on the days when it is really hard being an entrepreneur, um, I have something bigger than me, bigger than money, that is also driving the success of this company and the reason why I get out of bed every day. Um, and that is the fact that um, Freewell donates 1% of all of our revenue to survivor of human trafficking programs. And my dream and goal is to hire um, the women for their very first job post-rescue because what I've learned since I've gotten involved with human trafficking and learning about it. I, I, when I first started working, um, like 
free will was an accident, <laughs> to be honest. It started as an accident. I had this other beauty tech startup company and I had a product that I was like telling all my clients to make it home to like help their hair grow, do all this stuff. Cause like I had a client that had a thyroid issue and she, I told her to make this thing at home and she came back and her hair was like twice as thick eight weeks later. And I was like, holy moly. So on that beauty deal site that I had, it was like an Angie's list of the beauty industry thing. And again, it was a really great idea. My customers loved it, but it was like, I was also really struggling with having like this girly girl persona when I was building my business. And I knew that that worked and that sold. And I was so afraid to change the dance. And I felt like in order for me to be successful, I had to be this version that I created that actually didn't feel like me. And I had this tomboy side inside of me that I was like, needs to come out. Yeah. And, um, and I was so literally it was like all this stuff was going on at once it was like what's my next move career wise I feel like I'm living a double life as like this girly girl on whatever business and then like in my heart I like secretly want to like go be a navy seal (laughs) and then like it was um and then going through all the rape trauma and so there's this really amazing book called the second mountain and it's by david brooks And it's about how we climb this first mountain in our life. And we think that these are all the things that are going to make us happy. And we set these goals and then we get to the top of that mountain and we realize that I'm on the top of the wrong mountain. And then you have to go down into the valley. (laughs) And that was my valley. And then after you learn some lessons there and you get deep down and dirty and you learn a lot, you then know what your mountain is and you go and you climb your second mountain. And that is the one that typically isn't necessarily just about you. It's not selfish driven goals. It's more about how can I contribute to others? And um, I hope I have a third mountain one day too. Um, But free well became my second mountain. And it was in that valley that I really figured out. um, It was kind of all happening organically. And during that time, I had signed up for like a triathlon. Um, I tried to triathlon myself sober. I don't recommend that. It's not fun (laughs) Um, before I got real help. Um, But during that process, I started getting into sports and realizing like, wow, like the active lifestyle is just not efficient for personal care or any of that stuff. And my hair felt awful from swimming. And um, when I had my old company, I had to put a deal out. And so I just put out this oil concoction named it boss gloss made labels on canva um bought bottles off amazon went to whole foods and bought the ingredients and i had a product in 12 hours and during this really hard time of my life i noticed that women were buying second third fourth bottles of this and i was like that's not normal yeah i know how women buy products i've been doing this for almost 20 years and then all of a sudden i was like hmm and then when i was swimming my hair felt awful and i was like I need something. I bought everything on the market. Nothing made my hair feel better. I was like, I can't swim because I'm going to have awful hair and I have to be a hairstylist and I got to have good hair. Yeah. And then I looked at this product that I had just made and I was like, what if I put this on my hair before I swim? And my hair actually got healthier. And I had this whole light bulb moment of thinking like, oh my gosh, like I can do these quote unquote beauty treatments, but I can actually do them in like my tomboy lifestyle and going and doing all the sports and things that I want to do. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And I had that got really excited. And then I was like, at the same time, I was like, I knew I was an entrepreneur at heart, but I was like, I felt so called to be of service. And I was like, I'm either going to like 
run a million dollar company or whatever. And then, or I'm going to go and like join the Peace Corps and go live off grid. And no one even knows where I'm at anymore. And I'm just doing service work. And I didn't really have an in-between, like, you know, and all of a sudden I heard you're going to hire survivors for their first job um, post-rescue. And I was like, oh, that's what this is meant to be. And then I was like, this is my dream company. And I started looking at innovating everything that we do in our personal care routine and how can we make this better and how do we design products that fit into human lives Mm -hmm. versus like taking a human out of the life and making it more challenging. Like, you know, we're busier than ever. And, you know, how can I, how can I, make that process more efficient so then maybe you do get a little bit of extra time um when i decided that i was going to help the human trafficking survivors and i was going to build this company i still had not gotten sober yet and taken care of me so i had this amazing idea (laughs) i made you all this stuff and then i had to stop and i took almost a year off and i took care of me and I did EMDR trauma therapy twice a week. And then I started back and I was like, well, how can I be of service now as I'm building this little company? And um, I could do haircuts for survivors. And then I got to know them. And then I got to share my story with them. And they were really there for me when I was going through my first year of all the stuff. And now I mentor the women. I get to see them, but I'm on the other side. And so now what I bring to them, I hope and I know is so much more valuable because it's like talking to somebody who is struggling with their weight and then they have a trainer and the trainer's obviously not in shape, but they have or they or they have a trainer who's like, I was like that too, and this is what mm-hmm. I did and how I got here. And I can do that now for these women and I can help them to understand like there is another side. Yeah. And it is actually bigger and brighter than you ever thought it could be. Yeah, I love that you said that because I think that's, I'm huge on you can't help others until you help yourself first. Yeah. And I think that's a huge thing once you've done the work in whatever it is, like it looks different for everyone, you can really pay it forward and help other people. And I think that's like the biggest like success that you can achieve is not just you, you know, being happy and successful, being able to like provide that same value for other people. Yeah, it's nothing is more fulfilling. Mm Mm-hmm. In my life, I remember sitting with a woman who, a very young woman, I'm maybe like 19 years old, and she knows nothing in life but not being able to trust people, people telling her one thing and then selling her or, you know, going through all of this. And just, I remember sitting with her and like holding her hands and literally being able to share my story with her and like understand and like know how she's feeling right in in certain parts of her life like I can't relate to being trafficked but um and that is probably one of the most memorable moments of my entire life because it every it's like watching a movie that you've are that you've like it's like watching your whole life fast forward mm-hmm. and in that moment i'm holding your hands and it was like when you know when someone dies and said their whole life flashed before their eyes i'm sitting with this woman and my whole life flashed before my eyes and i was like i was meant to be here right now with her in this moment and like it all makes sense you know yeah. um and i just like am so grateful to know what purpose feels like and i you know it that's again when I tell you like when I wake up in the morning and I don't want to go to work or I'm tired 
or I'm like, get those thoughts in my head. Like maybe this company won't work. Maybe this, you know, mm-hmm. everything's you're so, you believe in it so much. You're so driven. And it doesn't mean that I don't ever have those thoughts, you know, where I'm just like, what if I'm wrong? <laughs> like, you know, Yeah, I think everyone, Thanks yeah. for sharing that too. Cause I think, yeah, no one talks about that side of like, yeah, it's like, it's a daily struggle, like and a lot of self doubt at times, but yeah, you, if you have that bigger purpose and why you keep pushing forward. Yeah. Like it's, am I drinking my own Kool-Aid? Right. You know, <laughs> like, um, but I, you get these little moments that happen. And I think if I quit now, cause if it was just me and money, I probably would have quit a long time ago. But I think if I quit now, what if I didn't and the thousands of women that could have been helped never got helped because I had a hard day? Yeah. And I decided that I couldn't do it. And that key you cannot replace. And so it's like, like, I hope and believe that it will get there and I fucking will do my best to get this company to do that and every day I wake up more and more driven and more and more like confident and more and more like clear in doing this and the right people show up the right things happen you know and I have the days where I don't know but then I'm also spiritual and I do believe like I'm like okay God you're giving me all these this amazing team all these amazing things just help me handle it just help me handle it like help me be able to to do this you know, and, um, and sometimes that's it. But yeah, like if it's like, it's like if, yeah, if you just stop now, like what would never be? Yeah. And like you, you didn't come this far only to come this far. Yeah. And like was it you, Jay-Z who said that? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who said it, but I love that quote. So if it was Jay-Z, I mean, I'm, I'm down with Jay-Z. Yeah. But, um, no, but I think, um, you've, accomplished so much and you've aligned so much with your vision and your why that like you can't you know yeah there's still so much that's like untapped there I feel like well and the thing is is like it took a lot of growth it took a lot of like lessons I'm not in like a place of like massive success or anything right now but I do feel I do feel like I've learned so much and it it just feels like in this moment right now that everything feels very aligned and I feel like myself again. I feel like the pre-trauma crazy year Shandy again when I had that drive and I was and I was happy and I loved it. And I remember I was dating a guy. Um, I won't won't name a name. <laughs> and I was going to do my babe hair boot camp. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this babe hair boot camp and it's going to sell like all these like hundreds of tickets. And he goes, well, what if no one buys it? And I go, I never thought about that. It never even crossed my mind that no one would buy tickets. I sold 300, by the way. Yeah. But I remember that moment because I remember, like, I just don't even think that's not even an option yeah, for like me. You're going to keep going until yeah. you do what you need to do. <laughs> I was just like, what? I don't understand. I don't understand. Are you speaking Spanish? Like, you're like, why would you even say that? Yeah. Yeah. That's too funny. Well, ha, huh? joke's on him. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I mean, free will is an amazing company. Thanks for sharing like the background on it and the vision. And I, I mean, anyone who's listening, clearly that vision is like huge. You, I mean, who would be able to stop when you have a vision so big and like such a big purpose for it? I think, um, another one of the reasons why we chose January specifically to have you on is it is human trafficking survivor awareness month. 
um, and your company supports them directly. And I know you mentioned earlier that you guys donate 1% of mm-hmm. all profits, but this month you're doing something a little bit special um, yeah. to support them a little bit more and bring more awareness to the cause. I don't think that human trafficking is something that is spoken about as much as it should be yeah. and is brought that much um, awareness to, which I think I'm seeing a little bit more of it. But I think you and your company do such a great job consistently talking about it and educating people on it, not just educating people on your product, which I think is amazing. But can you tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing this month um, in honor of Human Trafficking Awareness Month? Yeah. So like one of the issues that I saw in getting the information to people is it was very dark and very heavy and very like scare tactic, you know, and when I've actually sat down with survivor leaders and women who've been trafficked and all of that, like we we can laugh together we can have like you know it's not like this like yes it's doom and gloom and it's these really bad things but that can also prevent people from opening that door and looking and seeing how they can get help Mm -hmm. or how they can help and you know like sometimes i feel like working with madeline house and these survivors like when we laugh together it's the best medicine sometimes and mm-hmm. not to say or like when we do hair treatments or things like that and so i think that free will we have a really unique way i i wanted to figure out like how can i bring more people into the conversation and getting more people to help in a way that felt more accessible and not like this scare tactic doom and gloom thing right mm-hmm. obviously we have stats and things like that but we were doing what um it's our first year doing the free will power gloss challenge and um, I was kind of thinking of a cool way to do it, almost like the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge where you do an action and then that action shows solidarity and support and is engaging. And so um, um, so the first thing is you got to buy Power Gloss. And when you buy your Power Gloss in January, 10% of that purchase, not one, we're, we're bringing it up to 10 every January, is going directly to survivor organizations. Um we are doing some stuff with the groups in Miami, and so we are donating to an or- organization called Bright this month. Um, we always donate to Magdalene House, and that's the organization that I work directly with. We're not sending our money to some organizations that we don't know. Any organization that we donate to, I either volunteer, mm-hmm. I've met the survivors, I've met the whole team, um, I'm doing the work with them. Um, or we've, like I said, with Bright, I met the woman who founded it. I sat down with her. I learned I'm going to coffee with her and I'm there. Like we are very involved. Um, and we like to give where we live. Right. So with free will and you buy in America, we help in America. And, you know, um, I do work outside of the U S sometimes too, but with free will, we want it to feel like close. And, um, so the free will power gloss challenge is you buy power gloss and you're supposed to use it once a week anyways. So why not make that into a fun challenge when in January, when everybody's it's human trafficking awareness month, but it's also when you're getting back onto a routine, you're getting back in the gym, mm-hmm. power gloss is designed to be worn on dry, dirty hair. So you can put it on before your workout. So it's a great way to do it. And then every time you post a photo of you doing power gloss, um, and tag Freewell and the hashtag say more, do more. Because um, I think that's how we make change is we say more and we do more. And um, uh, we donate, we, Freewell, are going to donate a dollar for every post that you do. And uh, at the end, that's money towards organizations. And that is really awesome hair for you. <laughs> that's a win win. <laughs> Win win. Yeah. yeah, you give you have good hair and you're doing good. Yeah, my so. dream is that in the years to come we have hundreds of thousands of people 
doing the power gloss challenge and raising that much money and hopefully finding other organizations to match the dollar, you know? Yeah. I love that. Um, I will be participating in the challenge. Yay! Uh, and for any of you guys who would like to participate in it, we will put um, all of the details and the links yeah. where you can grab your power gloss and where you can also, um, where to find Freewell online, make sure you tag them so that they can make the donation um, this month as well. Um, but Shandy, thank you so much for coming on. It was such a great conversation. Um, it was really nice to sit down and just kind of, I know we've talked about a lot of these things several times. This one, it wasn't the first time I was hearing some of this, yeah. but the first time for some of it, yeah. I do think. Um, but I'm really excited to see what you do this year, um, what Freewell does, how much more change you guys can continue to make and impact others in a positive way. Um, thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode. I make sure to check out the show notes for all of the links on where to find Freewell and where you can participate in the Power Gloss Challenge. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.